Hey, Yellowstone listeners, this is Caroline. And this is Mike. If you guys are enjoying our Yellowstone podcast, then we invite you to come check out our 1883 podcast. Each week, Caroline and me are going to be breaking down Taylor Sheridan's brand new prequel series to Yellowstone 1883. We're going to have interviews with cast members. We're going to be doing deep dives into the lore. We're going to be connecting it to Yellowstone. It's going to be a lot of fun. So come take a trip into the past with us, 138 years, and experience the Wild West of 1883. After we drop these bulls, we're going to meet the sheriff in town. Okay. You know, you're the only one in my life to ask me why when I say we're doing a thing. I figure you'd tell me why if you want me to know. I'll figure it out when we get there. I'm not calling you out for a rip. Thanking you for it. No, try to kill me. Sir, maybe the sheriff is who you should be talking to. Maybe you let me fucking handle it. I'd like to kill him myself, Rip, but he's sitting in prison. That's where he's gonna stay for the rest of his shitty life. I'm meeting with the sheriff right now to figure out how to make that life just a little shorter. This is Sheila. And welcome to the Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone Season 4. This is Episode 8, titled No Kindness for the Coward. Today we have our friend Paul joining us again. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, guys. So what did you guys think of this week's episode? I was glad that there was a big action scene. Although usually the action leaves me feeling very sure about the outcome. Like, I'm glad that that happened. Whereas Mm -hmm. in this action scene left me questioning, "Uh uh-oh. This doesn't feel as good. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily because of the sheriff. It's because of other stuff. But the other stuff that happened in this episode, uh, we get a little bit of reintroduction to 1883. We get some forward motion with the governor's race. And we get a little more, or actually kind of a lot more, uh, looking at how Beth is going to play both sides yeah. of, of this airport deal. And I have a, some question marks about that to discuss with you guys. So yeah, definitely. I thought it was a good episode and it does what it normally does at this point in the Yellowstone season, which is just keeps turning the screw and, and, mm-hmm. and getting the, the stakes ratcheted even higher. I love that word, ratchet. Ratchet. <laughs> it's very descriptive. <laughs> yeah. Very descriptive. Uh, this episode actually had me questioning my own like morality and like sanity. I'm like, what is this show doing to me? Because there's a body count, there's extreme violence. And I'm like, there is another goddamn sexy takedown in this diner by Rip. <laughs> So, so when we did, like, the, why am I turned on by this? Why am I enjoying this? Like I'm rewinding the diner scene to like oh see how god. it all plays out. And I'm like, oh my god, what is the matter with me? Just like when we did the episode when we recorded with Caroline and Paul Steph, that was the big sexy takedown of yeah, the militia, yeah. and I was like, like I, was I all, loved it. I was all jazzed up for it. Here I am again, and I'm just like, what is this show doing to me? Like I feel like, like I've missed something if there 
there isn't some sort of like extreme violence situation. <laughs> so I, I think I saw Caroline physically uh, react when Rip pulled that guy out of the window. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. So now things happened last week in the episode that I went back to the trailer from the beginning of the season or prior to the season's release, and John is at the press conference, which we saw last mm-hmm. episode. We see in the trailer again for this season, Rip pulling that guy out the window and people were saying but there's a tip jar on the counter like what is going on because somebody thought it was jamie that he pulled through the window i was like no 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 if you gotta look closer that is definitely not jamie there's a tip jar on the counter <laughs> like there mm-hmm. there is no scenario where i can figure out that happening but i just like the fact that we're able to sort of connect some of these events and we're seeing that they saved a lot of the juicy stuff like they typically do for these mm-hmm. you know setting up for the season finale episode but yeah i enjoyed the beginning of this episode as well a whole lot just seeing the final introduction to 1883 because when this episode drops it's the same day as the 1883 premiere on paramount so i liked seeing that too and we just see some of the seeds being laid for some of the violence that the duttons engage in later in later generations just i was able to draw a line between some of the the physical degradation or, or or um mutilation of bodies that I can draw a straight line from that to <laughs> to present day. And yeah, and then the whole thing with Beth, like this double agent, you know, act- know. activity that she's that got going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying this, but I just I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop where this is going to explode in her face. I have a yeah, a lot of thoughts on this whole scenario with Beth. So So I I enjoyed this episode a lot. So I'm excited that we've got Paul here to talk about yeah. it with us. Well, I'm glad to be here. Mike was all mad last week that he was like yeah. he goes Paul gets like these deep and meaningful <laughs> episodes and he got i jacked off a horse like, how many times do we have to say that? that was so funny oh my gosh so can we start i guess then with the 1883 that just yeah. makes the most sense to start with because it's this little standalone scene this scene worried me a little bit that people would watch this and then watch the premiere and their brains would just be so confused about what was happening but i think we could see here um like faith hill's character for instance you'll see that she looks i thought quite a bit older here yeah she definitely they definitely look older yeah they aged her up and and the boys look mm-hmm. older too like i just really enjoyed seeing this this is like the, like i said before like that final look at 1883 before we get the the full episodes that are premiering and that so it's it's once a week on paramount plus and i guess they're gonna kind of run in parallel for a while do you suppose that this is like the finale of that series that we just saw? They're just putting it first to show us this is where where it ends up. Is this the end of, of, of James Dutton? Yeah, because immediately I was like, um, did he just die? Like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> like, huge question mark for me. I'm like, I have a devil's advocate kind of a feeling to it because, you know, those Duttons are hard to kill mm-hmm. between like what happened last season uh, in the finale with John and getting shot as many times as he did and, and not dying. Beth, her office getting blown up. Like, I feel like those Duttons are hard to kill. So this may not have been the end of him, but I think it's a very good cliffhanger for maybe the end of like a season. What did James say when he uh, was dragging the body away? Was it something, what do you need that for? Is it something like an advertisement or what What did he yeah. say? A yeah, mess- advertisement. Like he's making ex- an example. What is the culture that leave the, the heads of their enemies on spikes outside? the city. Mm, yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. Steal our horses. This is what happens to you. I feel 
feel like it's a very Game of Thrones kind of thing, like with the heads outside on the spikes. Daenerys and the slave owners, yeah. And then leaving one guy alive. But given that this is the 1880s, I'm not going to say necessarily 1883 because, well, we look. it looks like everyone's a little bit older from when we saw them of this Yellowstone season. But I, the fact that they like left this guy alive in tied to a tree I, my question was i was like how long is this guy actually gonna like survive out there because there's a lot more bears and a lot more wolves well and he was shot in the gut i mean and he was yeah he was bleeding which is going to attract you know said beasties a, a little faster than if he was just going help well that was a particularly cruel move of, of james yeah. the the gut yeah. shot in the old west was and now too but but back then especially since you know the medical care is nothing he's just condemning him to a few hours of very painful dying awfulness but i also thought it was very brutal how james nailed a stake as the advertisement and for me i was able to draw this kind of straight line between that action and the brutal body mutilation that the present day duttons go through with the branding of their ranch hands um and their sons as it were a little taken aback that we could you know see that custom that tradition manifest itself all of 1883 is supposed to help us see the the roots of how the duttons got to be where they are and who they are so there's nothing really to overlook in terms of well they did this then and they do this now so everything's connected to an extent james comes home and and basically answering his son's well thought out prayer i mean it didn't look bad when he was with the horse thieves and he was finishing up the work that needed to be done there but now i mean like there is blood running down his leg and he collapses inside the doorway what is your feeling about where he's at and his plea what does he say out loud here it was just gut-wrenching to me you know you can't let me die they're not going to survive do you think that this is like the end of the 1883 season series are we seeing the end of it or is this sort of like he's gonna rebound my reaction was like um no he can't die like there needs to be more but i think you know as a precursor to 1883 like they did a good job of making me want to see what happened because yeah he can't die he needs to keep going yeah it looked bad (laughs) it looked bad and they're way out on the sticks you know, mm-hmm. if he collapses in a way where she's screaming like that, yeah. the mind goes to things like, well, he's unconscious and mm-hmm. and uh, bleeding and there's no doctor around for miles. All these other things that kind of make it look pretty bad. Like you said, yeah. Dutt- Duttons are hard to kill, though. But then again, John got to be in a medically induced coma at a hospital. And, and <laughs> medevaced to that hospital. Right. Right. So, right. so, yeah, but I mean, I do feel that like Duttons are hard to kill. So um, I'm I'm optimistic that we'll we'll that is not the end that we saw because uh, I'm going to plant my flag. And I think that killed him, though. I want to look be wrong. Look at me being the optimist for a change. <laughs> <laughs> is James Dutton, like the sheriff in town, is he like the first livestock commissioner here? I see a, I see a badge on his lapel, and I can only assume that it's a sheriff's badge. And it said special ranger. Did you see young guns? Of course. Multiple, like an obscene amount of times. Because it had every popular actor of the day in it. They were regulators for a landowner, but they wore badges. And so they were oh, sort okay. of like unofficial enforcers of the rules. Well, kind of like Ryan from the Duttons. Well, Ryan is actually a livestock agent. Yeah, but just, he's 
kind of like not full time or he's just exactly right. needed. I, I guess. would say he's a reserve officer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before the law of the land got to be very distinct about who's a sworn officer and who's not, there was mm-hmm. this period where it was much more iffy. And like in the 1883 series, they show people called Pinkerton agents, which in the absence of a of another federal law enforcement agency, this private agency, the Pinkerton agency, provided people to fill those slots. And so they also wore badges. And so then you get a lot of people that have these badges like sheriff, marshal, Pinkerton agent, special ranger, whatever, who their allegiances are bound to uh, and what laws they're trying to force are kind of iffy uh, <laughs> compared right. compared to what we're used to these days. There's the city law, county law, state law, whatever, but at least we're very clear about what they're all doing. But then... Not so much. It might have been just like in the case of like young guns, for instance, they were just trying to keep people off the landowner's land. That was their jurisdiction per se. So what a special ranger does in Montana, in this case, we know that they're chasing down horse thieves, but not sure about beyond that. Maybe they're just deputized. Maybe that's it. Just like the the, uh, local sheriff needs somebody to go do some stuff so they get a temporary, you know, deputizing. Right. Right, exactly. And maybe he just, you know, does it so much he gets to keep the badge (laughs) i don't know yeah i definitely feel like this arm of the the law enforcement or the the deputizing of these these men definitely feels like the precursor to the livestock association for me the fact that james suffered this gunshot fate and we don't know exactly how it it plays out for him and then what happens to Donnie at the very end of this episode, it just brought back to me that like, it's just dangerous to be in law enforcement and it really doesn't matter what century you're in. Right. You think you might be going out for a regular day's work and some a-hole in a diner with a shotgun is going to completely change the course of you and your family's life. Pour one out for Donnie. But we'll get to him later. <laughs> we're coming, Donnie. We're coming, Donnie. Coming you, Donnie. We're, we're going to give you some justice here. You know? So next I want to talk about Jimmy, and we're back at the four sixes, checking in on him. A little bit more interesting to watch this time. We're going to leave some of the bad stuff behind. Yeah. We're talking about something happy right now, finally exactly. with Jimmy. We're going to say something happy and Jimmy in the same sentence. Yeah. <laughs> the, the events of this episode only, I mean, for, for as much as I'm, I'm glad that, that the brother got it, you know, what he needed. <laughs> uh, got a hookup. Right. Uh, the only, I mean, narratively, I'm asking myself where Mia is just right outside the door, right? She's, yeah. she's almost she's there. Oh, yeah, she's literally, she's just riding down. She's riding (laughs) into that sunset for Jimmy. Because that's the only thing that could, that's going to happen, right? He's going to be like. In flagrante (laughs) and Mia Watson. Like, hey, buddy. We were watching it and and Caroline said, this girl's just sort of like Mia light. Yeah, yeah. Chops off those those rough edges that make Mia sort of part where she's like, uh, I'll only love you if you do this stuff. And this girl's more like. You're the only guy my age around. Exactly. So that's yeah. enough. It's like a, it's you're a, good. She's definitely like seems like she's in a relationship of convenience. Like <laughs> you're not that bad to look at, and you're right here. So let's let's go. Yep. Was <laughs> Austin so. Power say hop on the good foot and do the dirty thing? <laughs> 
It was funny to me that she had to like sort of direct him through the whole date. Like, oh, Jimmy, come on. She didn't make it hard for him, though. She she definitely. That was like a sure thing. I mean, she basically stopped short saying that it was a sure thing. But this conversation that they have in the diner, I was a little shocked at how honest he was up front, like about being in jail. This notion of like, you know, I was hired at the Yellowstone as a favor of my grandfather, a favor that they took back. So he said the whole thing about him being in jail, but he neglected to say that like he also broke his promise to the Duttons, right? About getting, you know, on the rodeo horse and getting hurt a second time. I wanted to hear what you guys thought about like the fact that he just wasn't completely upfront and honest. I don't know if that's first date banter. It's like maybe the level of shame that he feels about that. You know, a lot of guys would feel like going to jail would be a source of shame, but he seems right? to be cool with that. Yeah. It's yeah. it's the disappointing John that, that seems to mean more to him. And so that's actually the embarrassing part that he'd, he'd rather not spill just yet. I was curious why we saw that she saw his brand mm. and then also like he didn't mention it when they're like sort of telling about each other. So, I mean, that's a long story that's really not one you're going to share. It's not something everybody knows. So I was surprised she didn't ask about it later, but maybe maybe she will. But yeah, it's sort of also that part of your saying, Paul, like you can't really... You don't want to explain everything. I was surprised he was like more covering up his junk than his brand. Like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I don't know. Which one? Which one do you go for? And I was like, I don't know if she should be seeing the brand. That feels very like secretive. It's personal. But she saw it later anyway. He took off his shirt. It don't matter. Yeah, but she saw it in like the light of day. Yeah. Uh, and didn't even flinch or seem or, to. Or like give it a second look. It just made me curious as to where that's going to come back up. Second date. Second date topic. Yeah, yeah I, I, I could see that. Oh, it's just this thing we do yeah. in Montana. You wouldn't get it. Yeah. Just don't worry about it. We all really like of, Yellowstone. You ever there. heard of Nexium? You ever heard of that cult? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like a, a, a good feeling portion, yeah. but but except for, for, again, where's all the Jimmy action leading us? Well, I think it's leading us to, to Mia and creating just kind of like this threes company. Uh-oh. <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah, but it's Yellowstone, so someone's going to have a gun. Someone's going to have some sort of horse apparatus that has steel in it. These are fiery women. Exactly. Laramie yanked a knife out of Walker's shoulder. Yeah, these girls, they're they're not afraid of getting a little blood on them, I suppose. (laughs) But I mean, we are at episode eight, so that level of tension and drama feels right. Jimmy can't get too happy because then something's going to happen. Either you're going to break or your heart's going to break. Yep. Something's going to happen to you. Yeah. But I did like how how natural looking he's becoming at the four sixes. Like he, he's riding better. He just feels like, I, I guess he's feeling more like a cowboy physically, not mentally. Like the mental part is still a block for him, but he's definitely looking more natural. He's more looking the part to me. Did you guys feel that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's got the uniform. He's got the look. He's easier in the saddle. I haven't mm-hmm. seen him rope yet, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Like they were almost joking with him at the beginning and maybe has like a rapport with the other guys finding a spot. I did make a note that the bo- the bunkhouse boys down there in Texas, they don't seem as boisterous. Like I don't think we'll be seeing yeah. like much of their bunkhouse shenanigans, you know, spinning around on a, on a yard arm or something like that and running down <laughs> the, the bunkhouse. I don't think we're going to get any scenes like that. 
Um, but they just did seem friendly and they were you know, being kind to him. I like that they're that someone seems to know that he's there. I'm starting to worry when he kept sleeping right? outside. Yeah, somewhere to sleep now. More like a home for him now than it was before. So Maybe it's like Kill Bill 2. You ever see that? Where doesn't she have to like sleep outside of the master's <laughs> castle or yeah. whatever before he'll he'll like train her yeah. yeah and and yeah. if she's stuck around for like a month of, of doing that then then okay i'll i'll, your, I'll your worth has been proven in. i'll let you eat the wormy rice all that that she goes through it's kind of like that it's very similar he it had is to like that. show that he wanted to be there although Emily did kind of bring up this idea of why do you even want to be a cowboy <laughs> or, or something to that effect? Like, how did you even fall into this line of work? If yeah, you weren't a cowboy before the Yellowstone, so why? I've always, I've, I've always kind of wondered that. It, but I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm supposed to be happy with the answer. Like, he didn't have anything else, mm-hmm. and this was the best option he had going. Seems like an answer for a lot of people at the Yellowstone. I think that's a fair assessment, Steph. Yeah. Well, I like that we got some more happy news with Casey and Monica. Yeah, Tate got a boner. Oh, that's not what I was talking about. (laughs) A very open family. I feel like there should be like an insert audio clip here of, you know, whatever Tate said. Sometimes it's really hard. (laughs) Those conversations do happen. The fact that... I guess he's as old as he is, and she's still like that involved in his bathing. Mm. Has to be a little bathing him little... like actually. You're, I mean, well, only a few episodes ago when he was struggling at the Dutton Ranch, she was. Yeah, she was. I mean, I guess he was traumatized and stuff like that. I'm gonna get be, be just fair taking care of him and not leaving him alone because he didn't want that. I think that families are a lot different. I think that there's families that see each other undressed more, maybe longer than they should, or some families that are really conservative and don't do that. And like, I wouldn't be walking around my house naked, but like, I see my kids change their clothes. They see me getting dressed like we're not naked, but I mean, so I guess walking in the bathroom while he's taking a bath wouldn't be that odd to me, but I guess standing there and talking about his boner would be but <laughs> i mean that's a, that's my take on it every time something happens i'm like babe you got to go in there like i can't do i'm not going into that conversation like that's on you i don't need to have that talk like we have a daughter I, too like that'll mean my department you go yeah. talk to him uh yeah immediately i'd be outside too going babe you got to go in there <laughs> you guys just need to know that it happens for no reason at all that's the main idea that's important to get across yeah to all humans <laughs> is that there's no there's no necessary reason for anything there's no evil thought in their head or something. I thought it was that, funny that she was like, you got to go talk to him about how to take care of it. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. I just Casey's reaction is just so spot on. It's just it's very in character for like where he's been this entire season. Like he's he's kind of like taking a much more emotional, intelligent kind of response to it. He's, yeah, he's going to figure it out. Like the yeah, dude was raised on a ranch. Like he's helped yeah. me birth calves. Are you sure he's seen something it's more the responsibility when he's older that he's more concerned with but i just like how he was just kind of like taking a very you know blase approach to it like yeah he'll be fine i think it was also very self-serving i'm sure he didn't want to sit down and have this conversation with as well if i can weasel my way out of something uncomfortable of course i'm going to well he doesn't really have a template for that either i don't think john did that so are you guys happy to learn of the uh impending addition to casey's family i was you and I said this definitely last season, as happy as they are right now, and they don't have a baby as a result of this uh, exploration of the the big Dutton house and, and all the things that they're doing in all the rooms of the house. 
I'm actually really happy that this this is happening because um, I feel like it's going to like shut down a lot of conversations that are happening in yeah, the, the Twitter sphere Avery. Mm-hmm. about Avery and about yeah and about just Monica's happiness level. Although I did have like a little sort of like a, a thought process here because the wolf came back. So you remember last season at the summer camp stuff that there was this right. wolf that kept appearing with Casey. And we kept saying, what does it mean? What does it mean? So I went and found something today and, it, and a couple of different sites said the same thing, that the native wolf symbol represents loyalty, strong family ties, good communication, education, understanding and intelligence. And I feel like so much of that is wrapped up in, in like who Casey's becoming. He's always had the loyalty. He's always had the strong family ties, but like the the better communication that's coming from him. You and I have been talking a lot this season about how different he is in terms of just his emotional response to Monica. He's coming at her from a place of understanding more so than where he was just reacting oftentimes before. And he was in a, in a, a position where things were happening to him not really kind of standing up for himself. So I feel like the, the communication between them is better. So that's what the wolf represents. And the fact that it was, you know, he was calling Mo about this this wolf and then she gives this news. I was like, oh, that's actually really like appropriate. So I'm very happy that there's going to be a new baby in the family. And it just makes me nervous because I don't know how this is all going to work out because Tate and John are still not together. There's been no communication between them. So I just, I just hope that this baby Maybe is, a, is a, a way for the, the family to kind of come together a little bit more. I thought that the wolf might have meant something a little different relating to the previous appearances of the wolf in Casey's life last season or the season before uh, where he sort of struck an agreement with the wolf that he could have all the other small game, but he had to stay away from the cattle and the horses the wolf went away, and I guess he went and told the other wolves what the deal was. <laughs> I was I was wondering if maybe him seeing the wolf again is almost like reminding him of the deal. And at that time, Casey was kind of a ranch foreman for John, almost asking, like, why aren't you at the ranch honoring your end of the deal? With the hmm. baby coming... I'm kind of wondering if the wolf appearing is starting to to ramp up that two sides of Casey where he feels the loyalty to his dad and the ranch. Because if you recall from our discussion when they left the ranch, I thought that he did it not sure that it was the right thing to do for him, but definitely the right thing to do for Monica. So that's what he did, but not right. Yeah, we got the feeling that he was only doing that for her. But if you have that still inside him where he's not quite sure about that, and then you have like this, he didn't exactly know what to make of it because he called Mm -hmm. Mo. (laughs) and But Mo told him, it is a test. It is a test. Mm -hmm. Sort of like how Avery might have been a test. She might not ever appear again. She was just more like to be like, are you going to be loyal to your family? So like what's your resolve here that he passed that test just fine. And so now we know he's super loyal to Monica and his family. And then I think this appearance of the wolf is like, but aren't you loyal to dad too? Uh, that's my crude interpretation. But then again, I don't read poetry because I don't understand it. So. Right. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> I definitely was curious why Mo said it was a test. Like, if you shoot it, you fail. Yeah. Now, what 
the test is, you'll need someone smarter than me to tell you. But definitely that that jives with with what I would expect from from Mo. What I do like about that is that he turned to Mo as like a phone a friend. Yeah. On uh, what to do about this this wild wolf on my property. I felt like if it was John that he called, he'd be like, shoot it. For sure. Well, and I noticed that he's he's teaming up with Mo and Rainwater a lot more in these last few episodes. So, you know, it is that whole conversation or the thought between is he on the reservation when, and with Monica or is he with the Duttons? Like, he's very torn, I think. And he kind of comes and goes, you know, like right now he's he's calling Mo. But it also comes back to that that notion of what the wolf represents in the Native American community, that the strong family ties. Maybe his definition of family is shifting a little as well. I think what the wolf might also mean in terms of like the test is another element of Casey's strongest part of his character is is unlike other Duttons where they go kind of like scorched earth on on enemies. And, uh, you know, obviously Casey... If you did, if you need shooting, he will shoot you for sure several times before you even if know you you've been shooting. shot. Yeah. <laughs> but you will have a double tap, yes, for sure. But like with Walker and other examples, there is a live and let live element in Casey also. Yeah. And that is the test of the of the wolf, right? Um, can he get along? Can he find a way to live amongst predators without needing to just wipe them out? I mean, that's very much the case with the, Mm -hmm. if he should ever inherit the Yellowstone, the same deal. There will always be a market equities trying to fuck him up. (laughs) Yeah. There's always going to be predators, big and small. Exactly. Some will will wear suits like Ellis Steele and some will have... Ellis Steele. It sounds like it's like a wrestling name. I don't even know. Like, it just sounds like it's, it's very theatrical. (laughs) Sort of like the million dollar man. Like he'd show up in like, kind of like a dicky or something like that. That'd be his uniform, like, like spandex and like the front of a suit but not the back right <laughs> this is in the front party in the back exactly exactly that'd be ellis Steele. did i get a nice visual going for you there yeah. Steph? you really did <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, like, I'm pausing like, here because i'm like thinking oh, about boy. spandex now yeah Thank now you. i'm like dickies yeah when you say a dicky like it just it reminds me of randy quaid from christmas yes. vacation like yes. that's immediately what pops into my head when i hear that so because <laughs> that, sorry, that weird like, shirt that he wears has the little yeah. piece in front yeah, yeah. Little piece inside yeah <laughs> exactly. and it's like a darker color than his you know very pastel white shirt yeah <laughs> get yourself That's something cool. real nice all of a sudden i want some eggnog <laughs> all right so we go from the most honorable yes. dutton oh, yeah. to the squirmy slimiest uh, whiniest <laughs> definitely the whiniest <laughs> so steph oh, i have God. a question because a couple episodes ago you said that jamie was like your favorite character in this in the series, right? He yeah. stands to have the most outstanding arc if he ever makes yes. good. I oh, really yeah. I like him a lot for lots of different reasons. But now I'm starting to really not like him. Okay, so but what was like, your question? I see your point and I, I agree that, you know, he does have a very complicated arc and, and whatnot. But like his character, especially since his father's come on the scene. He's just been like in this downward spiral of mm-hmm. sniveliness. Like whatever element of a backbone he had is just evaporating. And I think right. he's he's got no no chance of standing up to Garrett and Christina together. Exactly. Like the two of these have like joined forces and they they know where all his the whole like the holes in the dam are. 
for him. Like they can only plug his leaks for but so long before he, you know, he's going to have this explosion. But yeah, I was just like, he was especially snivelly. I think my defense of Jamie in the past was because I felt like a lot of his cowardness or his issues were because of John and Beth and the way that they treat him and the way that they manipulate him. And I just felt like it sort of wasn't fair to sort of judge him by that. But then seeing him sort of like, I was had a little bit of hope, like, oh, he got his own place and he's like doing his own thing. And then here we are with his biological dad and Christina doing the exact same thing that John and Beth do and he's still feeding into it that's where I'm so now I'm more on board with the feeling of like come on Jamie like get a grip like he really does have no backbone like I sort of thought well maybe it was just sort of circumstantial and it was with John and Beth but no it is not it's like across (laughs) the board like dude I mean it just is like sickening to watch them sort of sit there and manipulate him the exact same way that John and Beth and other people do and it's like I just sort of had hope that it was, um, like I said, circumstantial to John and Beth, but I guess it's not. I, yeah, I'm starting to really come like, come on, Jamie, really? Watching him is kind of weird because it's like he's got like that sniveling nature. But as long as someone's willing to kind of build scaffolding around him, he rises right back up. Yes, exactly. And you could see where, where Christina identified where she could aid her, you know, metaphorical scaffolding and into this discussion because she wasn't really in it and then all of a sudden right. she, she hears where she can pitch in and then boom she's there he's willing to call john all of a sudden uh, so he's very malleable but somehow yeah, he's, he's needs all, to be psyched up yeah yeah but it, yeah underneath all that at least he does have these kind of frightening legal skills and, and mind that he has. That's been proven. That's like in the pilot episode. They show him going mm-hmm. up against the state or what? No, in front of the state. Yeah. Against, in front of the state. Yeah. Of, and he For just, eminent domain. Right. He just shuts him down. So he does have that in there. It's it's just kind of hidden underneath this mushy, silly putty <laughs> spinal column. But I mean, he's basically having an adult tantrum in the middle of the yeah. field, right? Right there. Like he needed a paper bag or something. <laughs> <laughs> a punching bag. <laughs> but this whole conversation with Garrett um, before Christina arrived, this had a very godfather like feel to me, Paul. And I know you and I have talked about like the, you know, the how this this is kind of has this feeling. I just wanted to hear, like, did you did you get any of that from this conversation with Garrett about controlling the narrative? I mean, it was a very, it was much more highbrow conversation. Um uh, than yeah. some of the stuff that the Godfathers had, but it's just like the the tone of it. How does uh, uh, a guy that's been in prison so long come out with very modern terms like control the narrative? Were they spinning control the narrative when he went into jail 40 years ago? I don't recall Probably that not. being a popular term. So he's he's really studied up on his manipulation of, of people, I guess, since then. Uh, another question is um, Christina shows up to the scene out in the field there or adjacent to the barn wearing what I could only assume to be like the least practical jeans possible, <laughs> like gigantic flared bell-bottom things that like drag on the ground. A, I'm against that trend in general. <laughs> I uh, hated it in the late 90s when it was the thing and I was forced to wear them, but... 
Yeah, hoping so it don't come back. I, 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 jeans forever. I hope that goes away quickly, but I, I but whatever. That's not that's what we're talking about. We're not doing <laughs> a, say, a, wait, a fashion we? podcast right now. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, I wonder if that tells us something about her character. It's just sort of like impractical that everyone else seems to wear Western wear, whether or not they seem very Western. Like when I see Beth wear Western style jeans and shirts or whatever, I'm like, she doesn't seem like much of a cowgirl to me, but she's with the program. Right, least. right, yeah. You know, so I wonder if that says anything if she's more of a city girl just kind of stuck out in the country with these people doing that kind of stuff or, or what because if you're walking around in grass with that kind of thing it, they'd come away wet or whatever yeah. <laughs> very, very, very important part of the discussion i did not necessarily get godfather vibes I mean, Jamie is identified as the Fredo of the family. But I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I could very much agree with you because we don't see it on camera with the Godfather movies, but we do know that Fredo is manipulated by outside sources, the mm-hmm. senators and, and various people that want him to do things that amount to various kinds of betrayals and whether they're big or small to the family. And he does it. Right, and he ends up being the embarrassment, and exactly. So I, so I do see your parallel now that I'm. Um, th- I didn't see it at the moment, but I see where you're going, and and I, and I think it's there. It's and it's and it's true to the character. There's nothing about it that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, it, it's well documented. Parents will do a lot for their kids. I mean, even this guy will uh, hire hit goons <laughs> willing to die a hit militia even to to go and handle uh, this hit and he said he'll do it again if he has to but at the end of the day is it just to see his his son governor of montana no. i mean that seems neat and all. So. Well, what do you think you might get out of it, Steph? I'm thinking in my head, hey, I'm going to go. I know my son has this, like, he's still sort of connected to the Duttons. He has this inheritance. Like, I'm going to kill all those guys. He'll get the money, and then I can give you guys some. Like, it just oh. feels very ulterior motive to me. Like, he can't just be doing that because he loves his son. Like, he doesn't know his son. He didn't even know the guy. Like, right. there, there, or if he's governor, there has to be could, some other. Yeah. He could pardon him. You know, exactly. I said, forget money. You can get him out of jail. I mean, how Garrett Randall knew that Jamie would be so easily manipulated, I'm not sure. But it doesn't feel genuine. It feels like he's in it for something. At some moment when he ascends to whatever throne he might ever get, mm-hmm. there's this other moment that's going to follow at the at the. Jubilee, <laughs> where there's, where there's like, cello- I got you here. Now you owe me right. this. You, you didn't yes. think we, that we could get here without needing to to pay some people back. Pay the vig. Yeah. Exactly right. Yes, I do. I feel like there's some sort of other motivation behind it. He's just not here trying to reconnect with his long lost son. I'm going to come back to the fact that we still don't know who Mrs. Garrett Randall is and why John said we begged her not to marry him. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is some connection that Garrett Randall is trying to seek some sort of revenge directly and now indirectly on John Dutton because the direct revenge did not work. And whatever he paid for that hit, he should definitely get some sort of a partial refund because ni- none of the three died. Um, <laughs> four, really, if you partial go to the bunkhouse, you should get right. some sort of, you know. You got to pay for performance on yeah, a hit. Yeah, you, know, you got to pay to play here. But just getting back to it, no, I definitely think that there's some 
level of revenge or vindictiveness against John Dutton that Garrett Randall is trying to act out through Jamie. And now that he sees how malleable and how sniveling he really is, that he's just like, okay, well, we can take this all the way to the governor's office. And I don't know if that was his intent all along. It has something to do with John and I need to, I need to get this resolved. And I feel like that this, this question will not remain unanswered. I feel like we will get this resolution because I do come back to that conversation that John said that we begged her not to marry him. That is a very intimate relationship to be able to say to somebody, I don't think that that's a good match for you. I don't know who it is yet, but it's <laughs> it's somebody close to John. Did you guys see on the pod clubhouse website that someone posted um, a theory that kind of jives with what we were talking about with the mom being a Dutton. All right. So Echo Kirkland says to us, fan theory, I think that Jamie is really a Dutton. I think that Phyllis Randall and John Dutton had an affair. Now, this is not the theory that I think, but this is what's out there, that Phyllis Randall and John Dutton had an affair and that Jamie is really John Dutton's son. That is the real reason that Garrett Randall beat Phyllis to death. He figured it out when Jamie was three months old. I don't know if John's wife ever realized, but John knows. What leads me to believe this is season one, episode one, John Dutton stitching up his head when Jamie finds him. Jamie helps him. John says, endearing, you have your mother's hands. Something about the way he said it. I think Randall wants to make John Dutton pay for more than we know. This is also the man who, 25 years after his wife's death, has her bathrobe hanging in his bathroom still. I'm not getting cheat on my wife vibes from him. I think it's a great theory and it, it definitely holds weight and it needs to be you know, examined and played out. But my initial gut reaction is he still has her bathrobe hanging actively. <laughs> in his bathroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, that's worth putting a pin in. And oh yeah, absolutely. I, I had forgotten that mother's hands comment. That's interesting. I'll, I might even rewatch the pilot just, <laughs> just to see his face when he says it. I remember the scene because he, he, his voice was very soft and he was looking down at Jamie kind of working the stitching. It was a very tender kind of because I've watched the pilot a few times. Yeah, I go back to it a lot because like I, there's a lot of detail in there and a lot of like scene setting for especially like how we introduced got introduced to all these characters that I kind of go back to every once in a while. It's also on a lot because of the different marathons yeah. that Paramount and I seem to catch it often. I'm like, oh, please, okay, it's on. Let me sit down and watch it. And they still had the helicopter. That was cool. Yeah. Oh. I, don't, I don't know what happened to the helicopter. We didn't see it again after season two. But no, I think that's a great theory, though. I think either way, this is it's just not going to go well for in any scenario. Like, even if Jamie is sort of backed or encouraged by Garrett and Christina running against your father, like, this is just not going to go well. So, you know, we see him call John and ask for a meeting. John was so polite and was like, you can come to the ranch. You know where to find me. So if he does go there and discuss, I mean, I'm not sure that Jamie will actually run. I don't know that he'll go through with it. I think if he does, it's going to be bad for everybody. If I saw a father running against his son, like, I don't know that I'm going to vote for you people. Like, clearly something's not working out. So, I don't know. It's just going to be really messy, which is 
makes for good TV. So do you suppose that's the, that. the the no kindness for the coward? Whenever I think coward on Yellowstone, I I go to Jamie. Jamie, yeah. And uh, but the, he had so little on here. Was was it the lack of yeah, kindness? I, I mean, was it from his bio dad and Christina that what they were showing him wasn't actually kindness if it was just to manipulate him right but then it's john is browbeating yeah yeah and then john's like you know where to find me and was that a lack of kindness also i don't know it was being firm yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah that's uh, that's where i centered my thought on what the title might relate to is 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 jamie i assume that it has to relate to jamie but i wanted to ask you guys about christina and her comment about rightly that john is bluffing that he doesn't want to run um she wants him to call him out on it because he she believes that he's going to pick another candidate the second that jamie drops out of the race that's the feeling that i got from john when you know after he had the conversation with the governor she walks away and he's like i gotta fucking run for governor now he's not happy about it. he wants beth to find no. a way to get out of it and she mentions that this episode she says you know i'm doing what you asked me to do and I assumed that what she she meant by that was finding a way to hit for him to get out of the governor's race. She knows that he's bluffing, that he doesn't want this. Is Jamie going to believe her? Is he? Because for me, I feel like him staying in the governor's race is where like the the rubber meets the road for the final two episodes of this season. I mean, her argument makes complete sense, and having been his his dad's. Uh live-in lawyer and all the other things that he did for the ranch, running the ranch, he would know that his dad was happy with the amount of power he had as, you know, pulling in or collecting favors, basically, as the livestock commissioner. Um, and that was good enough uh, to, to keep doing what he needed to do, um, you know, as a, as a state official. So I think he's going to know she's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if Jamie stays in the race, then John's not going to jump out at all. So, <laughs> right, I mean, exactly. she's right. So, I mean, it's just going to get messy and, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> but it comes back to your point, Steph. Then, like, if you're a Montanan and you're seeing Dutton versus Dutton on the ballot, yeah. do you stay He's away? The third guy, because I might yeah. vote for him. Do you stay yeah. away because you're like, oh, I don't want to get in the middle of that family drama? I take voting pretty seriously. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people do, but I do research my candidates and like I don't actual real life discussion. I would look into that. I'd be like, what the heck? But I mean, this is TV. So, you know, it's just interesting if, that they would both be running. It looks really bad for the state. So one other question I had is Christina's assessment of of John running for for governor. Like, has Montana changed that much that he would be an undesirable candidate from the transplants and the environmentally conscious who now live in Montana, despising him for being this wealthy 60 year old landowner and the way that she just spits out these words is just dripping with sarcasm and just hatred towards him but does john stand a chance to lose like are they going to run with this notion that if jamie stays in the race that they're going to pit him as the more desirable appealing to these these transplants because they've mentioned these transplants several times over these four seasons 
in season one when Dan Jenkins was getting himself established. Uh, we've seen it this season with the um, the guy who was raising alpacas who gets Casey puts him yeah. in the, the cattle guard and things like that. And now you've got the environmentalists who are setting up protests all around Montana as well. So I'm just wonder. I'm just trying to, you know, throw like another bit of fuel onto the fire. Does John run and does Jamie potentially upset him? electoral kind of upset (laughs) there's always that fight between people who want things to stay historical and stay as they are and then this fight of people who want something progressive and and new ideas and new change so it it would just depend i think on their on how they run the race but yeah i mean he could stand to lose jamie would have a tough tough platform because yeah. ha- having been his dad's stooge for so long, exactly. his actions, regardless of his current words, would, would prove out that... Yeah, because, yeah, he's fought against the... Exactly. So, progression. so what is the, what is the platform he's going to run? It's, it's like dad light. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, this meeting, this meeting, this off, the discussion of what's off limits and et cetera, et cetera. Not going to go well for Jamie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is that really even the discussion these two men need to be having at this no. point? As a listener pointed out on our, on our website, the, the, the window for Jamie to come clean about Garrett's role in the hits is closed. Now, with the, the governor's race, there's no chance yeah. <laughs> that he's, that he's going to say it in good faith. Uh, if it does come out, it's going to, it's, it's going to be under different circumstances. Um, it's going to be trying to hurt John rather than help John. Well, I guess that is why we have two more episodes and, from the the trailer leading into tonight's episode so from last week's episode was that it's going to be yet another explosive season finale so we're not far off from it which is just (laughs) insane to me speaking of explosive how about that dinner with beth Every meal. I love it. Every damn meal. Like, (laughs) so funny. She hasn't finished a meal since she was 14. I'm so happy that we finally get, like, a reason why. And all Rip had to do was ask. You could see it on her face. Like, she was like, oh, well, this is why. And then he was like, why don't you just eat it at another damn table? She's like, uh, I never thought of that. Like, you know, hilarious that Beth is making this dinner so freaking uncomfortable. Talking about your prostate and the dinner table (laughs) and, like, tantric healing. And Carter's like, are we still talking about that? Like, this is... I is loved it. It was hilarious. <laughs> is that Latin? So funny. But then at the end of the conversation, at the end of the scene, I was just so happy. Like, man, how hard was it for Rip to just walk over there and stand up and say, what is going on with you? How can we make it better? Like, I just really appreciated that Rip was there to just... Rip's that kind of problem solver that's yes, like... Yes, it, it's it, not that hard. If like, someone, someone says, it hurts when I do this, Rip would just say, well, stop doing well, don't that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I loved how he just neutralized her. Yes, just I loved it. taking like all the wind out of her sails and not in a way that was meant to hurt her, but it's just yeah. like, what, what childhood bullshit are you working out? And the fact that he said that, it made her kind yes. of, like you said, like stop and think. It's not about the oyster spoons. It's about facade yes that has been cultivated but it's also not fair if she's the only one at the dinner table talking and she talks over everybody else not allowing them to get the conversation away from prostates and tantric sex and erogenous zones and uh, just (laughs) 
it's not a fair position for anyone to try to like fight her on it if she's the only one sucking up the air in the room. Is that a fair statement? It is an <laughs> approach <laughs> to, yeah. to, to debate where you just sort of distract and control mm-hmm. the discussion by being louder <laughs> yeah. and, and and saying just sort of off the wall things that people have to defend against before they can even get around to talking about what they want to talk about. Carter was, was very amusing to the whole thing, though. Oh, I uh, loved it. That kid, Finn. He did a very fantastic job of of showing a kid that has probably never been exposed to anything like this yeah, and has no idea how to act or what to do. And he's just doing his best. You can see he's looking around the table trying to see. I loved that of this episode too, that Rip and Carter both were kind of looking around the house like, what am I supposed to put my hat? Where am I supposed to sit? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Carter Carter combed his hair. This is the first time. This is eight episodes now where we've seen him just disheveled and in the most tattered, dilapidated clothing. And he looked presentable he had his hair combed i just appreciated this attention to detail that carter wanted to impress john and then john honored him with this no you come sit next to me here i thought that was a really classy move on both of their parts and i liked how carter stayed during the fight because my read on that was like beth might say we're moving out right now so i may never get to come in here again so i'm having (laughs) Cake on top of steak. I was yes. not expecting that. <laughs> Ew. I don't know. Something about this scene was just felt really nice. And to also see them afterwards sitting at a different table and the vibe was completely different. And they felt like a family having dinner and they're laughing and they're picking on each other and they're scaring them about the snake and felt so good yeah like remember my dog yeah i remember that dog like yeah and then you know talk about rip as a as a teenager getting away from the snake but i just like the fact that rip had to to come at her and basically like are you gonna do this at every meal because like i need to eat my breakfast quick yeah like i gotta go like like it's more of a formality than an enjoyment for me right at that point because Sheila, you and I have said that before, I think, in passing. Like, what is it with Beth in the dinner table? Like, what? why is it just so terrible every time she's in that room? Felt kind of nice just to have, like, a reasonable answer. Like, oh, that does kind of make sense. Like, Yeah, like a fresh perspective from Rip on it. Yeah, and all he had to do was ask. It's like, man. And Carter was even the one who came up with the idea. It's like, well, if you want to know, why don't you just ask her? I feel like this is a lesson between like fathers and daughters. Like, why don't you just ask your daughter why she's so freaking emotional? But this is also the lesson between John and Carter. The last time, like John was saying, like, you need to go talk to Beth. Like, you need to go and talk to her. And now Carter is giving John the same lesson back. Well, why don't you just just ask her? her? Yeah. Yeah. So I just like how there's this like reflection back on the lessons that John is trying to give to Carter to help him. Well, and there's also that element that Cole Hauser didn't acknowledge, the, the Rip Juniorness of mm-hmm. Carter. Oh, uh, my God. Like, as we go on, it's more and more. Well, Rip had the there's the problem, stop doing the problem approach. Well, <laughs> Carter had the exact same thing uh, with, with the why don't you just ask her? Yeah, face yeah. the bull head on. <laughs> Good analogy with, right? with Beth. <laughs> Other than that, though, Beth, how long do you guys think she can keep up? Playing both sides. About 45 more minutes. Yeah, it's not gonna, like, Caroline Warner is not, she 
totally figured that out. I mean, as soon oh, as Ella, she's yes. like, why were they on the road? I don't know. Someone tipped them off. Like, no shit. This is not going to last long for Beth. Maybe that's why she had to make such a big example. Yeah, I feel like Caroline is seeing through this saccharine suite, mm-hmm. of, you know, exterior that uh, that Beth is putting on, you know. Oh, you know, like there was a, I'm late because there's a protest on the road. And just her her willingness to pitch in, especially given what happened last episode where the phases were being laid out and she I mean there's no way she didn't recognize that valley as being all around this airport and Ellis has the the quip like oh we're gonna see where your loyalty lies so I feel like that is like this is the natural progression from there where she's just looking like on the surface like she's all in for market equities but meanwhile she's got summer on speed dial yeah, basically pulling the marionette strings for everyone, for for the protesters, for the reporter, and for market equities. Makes me wonder. I may never need to really worry about this, but people don't act like this in real life that I know of, where they <laughs> where they knowingly take what they do, their career, and say, "I'm going to do these things that are probably going to make me unhirable in this line of work." For the rest of my life. Ever again, yeah. But that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. What is left for her once she is found out? Not much. I mean, yeah, what are they going to do to her? If they put a hit out on her before. Remember, that's what we were talking about. Who who sent the bomb? So I don't think that... The, I just <laughs> think that's a, that's a far-fetched theory for me. But yeah, I mean, they're, if they're willing to fight... You know, like they said, what did they say last season where it was like, you know, oh, treat it oil, like the um, oil, oil deal, deal in, in Yemen. Yemen? Yeah. They're not going to let her get out. Like, no. So it could go really bad for her again. There could be another bomb, Beth. What are you doing? Or there'd be something a little more direct. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if she's just going to get fired, but no, I mean. No, because they already fired her once and they rehired her. So Yeah. So, I mean, this is not definitely playing with fire. She's making and it causing go, fire. Yeah, and causing fire. Yeah, and for causing sure. the fire. But I mean, she's doing it in a way that it's going to take longer for the breadcrumbs to get back to her because she's doing it through the facade of these protesters. She's doing it in such a way that she's, you know, she's going through the reporter. So she's like a third party to each of these people's role in this. So. But Caroline, I feel like Caroline's onto her. There's been oh, some she's definitely onto her. There's been some long looks after Beth, and then at some point, like there's going to be someone that gives her up. Well, as soon as she said, "How did Caroline said how did the reporters know to set up on the road?" And Ellis was like, "I don't know. Someone tipped him off. Maybe a protester." Like, right. no. She, <laughs> that was hello. There's your answer. So, who who went and told the reporters to cease and desist? Exactly. Right. It's too quick of a line to draw between, you know, this A and B here. Well, who's this smart? They've already run up against her when she was trying to short their stock last season. So they know that she's highly resourceful, very devious and willing to play a game that most people aren't willing to do. I mean, if she's willing to kind of throw her career away then it's just more like realizing, hey, wait a second, she's willing to throw her career away. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. the, that's the element uh, that is probably highly unexpected for them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like there's really there's really no way to kind of segue here. I guess after they're able to sit down to a full meal, John and Rip are able to you know head out. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It feels weak to me. <laughs> but we still got to go to this this diner, mm-hmm. meeting Donnie, R.E., a very Dutton-like practice. Where did Beth learn how to do this stuff? Well, she was she learned it from watching Dad, of course. Da- I learned it by watching you. Yeah, so he's going to go try to arrange for some prison mishap to end his aggressor's life behind bars. So Caroline was trying to keep count of the bodies dropping in the cafe, diner, eatery. And by her count, it looked like everyone died except for Rip and John. Is that is that right? Except for the waitress. Of the aggressors, yeah. Uh, I believe so. Now she thought that there were some innocent bystanders taking it too. I believe that's entirely possible because there was a lot of gunplay happening. Especially back and forth between Donnie sitting in the seat in the booth where he was. Like, I feel like some of those patrons probably met their untimely demise. I mean, it was a thrilling fight. Oh, like what we talked about in the beginning. This was a sexy takedown. <laughs> between It all has to revolve around Rip. I'm sorry. It really does. Because, like, he pulls the guy through the window. And then when the last dude standing has the waitress as a hostage, Rip's got the beat on him. And he takes, out him, he takes him out with his foot. And that's just enough to, you know, clear the path and takes him out. Double tap. Done, done. Sexy. Yeah, that's always a really cool shot. That's like, uh, I know you've seen The Untouchables, right? With Andy Garcia laying upside down on the stairs. Multiple times. Another Kevin Costner joint. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. Um, But same idea that that when, when someone is so sure, so excellent with their weapon that they they will commit to being able to do what they need to do, even though they're just holding a regular old pistol, no lasers, no nothing. No sights, no silencers. Nah, no yeah, yeah. It's it's always thrilling. But what does this mean for potential, potential, <laughs> potential. <laughs> don't make up words. We don't make up words here. No, we try not to. Potential governor, John Dutton, does getting in a gunfight where bystanders might be dead how can that help you i don't think it can can, except for (laughs) his position of you know yeah i did it to protect my state but you're damn right i don't think it yeah i don't think it really helps i think it's damaging also because in the gunplay then you've also not through their actions but the inadvertent death of donnie haskell the sheriff of the county uh, pour one out for Donnie. Well, someone will probably argue that a few hundred dollars of diner breakfast take is probably okay in the scheme of things compared to losing a sheriff and whoever else they lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but still, would you rather still have the sheriff? But it also did look, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, but it also did look like things were not going well in the diner because, like, if you're just looking for the breakfast fare, they were very heavily armed, and there was a lot of them That's for true. that level of of a of a heist, you know. Well, and they didn't have sort of the the honey bunny uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like we're just here for a robbery sort of look in their eye. They right. they also they had another sort of like we might be on drugs, malicious uh, like level of intent. Yeah, we might hurt people just just to hurt them, kind of thing. Yeah, they were ready to rumble any which way. And- what a coincidence that that happened as John was going to meet Donnie to talk about how to, you know, shorten the life of this criminal. Like, <laughs> right. Is that really just like, is that 
were they there for, did somebody else know they were coming? If they're that heavily armed and that, you know, was there some sort of... Well, it's a question mark. I mean, because the timing of it is suspect. And Rip had his head on a swivel like he always does. But his Mm -hmm. situational awareness is is peak um, for sure. But... That's would, like Navy SEAL level situational awareness. Like, yeah. I gotta give him major props. Because, they're not like, eating, sir. They're not eating, sir. Like, they're that is, eating. yeah. You know, they're that's, just that's, staring. they're just staring. Right. I mean, that was pretty, uh, pretty astute assessment there. So give him major props for that. Yeah. It could be though, Steph, until they tell us otherwise, they could have been laying in wait for John. They were just kind of shitty at their jobs. Yeah. Super sus, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. I have a question because this is the this is the part that is not sitting well with me. That John wanted to go to Donnie to talk about. I, I'm assuming it's Tyrell Riggins in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he doesn't know anything about this guy. Like, why would this guy want me dead? Is the question that I would be asking out loud. Like, unless this is an off camera conversation that we're going to get resolution to in the next two episodes, he doesn't know to us right now in current times, he doesn't know why Tyrell Riggins wanted him dead and his son and his daughter dead. Good call. Is it only enough to know that he did want him dead? Right. That, and like, probably. yeah. So like he took out the militia to neutralize them. But for me, it's not sitting well because it's like, well, you're missing the next level of why to get to the root cause. So like, who is this Tyrell guy? Like, these are the questions if I was John that I would be asking, who is Tyrell Riggins? Who is he associated with? Why did he want me dead? What have I ever done to him? But isn't that what he asked Jamie to do? Right. But yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, is that an off yeah, camera like, conversation that we're just like not waiting for that to? information? Because it doesn't seem to me that Jamie has been very forthcoming with any type of information because. Yeah, that well went the, dry. Yeah, well, just because of the the way that they they interacted last episode with the press conference, so like he's looking to shorten this guy's life in jail, and but he doesn't know why. Like I'm just I'm still stuck on it. The, the end result of killing somebody that's fine. That seems John like, but yes, not not fully knowing why. Like I would need to get to the bottom of that. Like you tried to kill me. You tried to end my life. Why? You're right. You're right. We, as viewers, have come to expect more from John rather than just killing for killing's sake. Um, I mean, yes, there is that too, but but this is a bigger deal than that. This was a multi-pronged, well-thought-out, pretty much, hit that had like a machine gun in the back of a van. This is not just like, you know, walking by somebody and slitting their throat in the parking lot or something this is a big deal right this is like heavy artillery kind of stuff yeah uh-huh you're absolutely right sheila uh he should want it's, it's more in than big that block letters in my notes right now but he doesn't know why yeah, yeah. good call <laughs> and like that's always been like the the thing that i'm just like not okay with like we we and that's like the criticism that Steph and I have had. It's like we're taking a really long time to marinate to this answer. And it feels like it's only been half have answered to this point, right? So we know as as watchers that it's Garrett Randall pulling the strings behind the scenes. But again, like there's other questions that are still unanswered. How did he get the funding for this hit? And then John not knowing who this guy is and, and wanting to to snuff him out before he gets sort of the goods. Perhaps if you're John Dutton, you know, you've lived your adult life playing whack-a-mole with enough people trying to to kill you that you're just 
You just you don't can, care anymore. Yeah, you're just whacking yeah. moles. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's all he knows is that it's this. That sounds like how babies Terrell get Reagan, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he just has. To, he knows that that's where the threat came from. He has to just eliminate it. He doesn't know what else to do. It's not a satisfying answer, but at least no. it's understandable. Yeah. To me, I think that I was sort of leaning towards like he. You're right that the Jamie issue has sailed for John, but like I, that's where he was waiting for that answer to come from. Mm-hmm. So like that's his only way to get an answer was for Jamie to look into it. Like as, has enough time passed? He just assumed that Jamie didn't care anymore and didn't find out, or is he going to ask it? You know, like last sort of interaction with Jamie, other than this blind side at the press conference was Casey and, you know, asking him to look into it. Jamie says, yes. Casey told John like, oh yeah, you didn't even flinch at it. So is John sort of waiting for Jamie to come through or did he give up on that? But either way, he's, he knows that the threat was Terrell Riggins. So he has to just eliminate that mole. Right. (laughs) Well, that's what leads me to to talking about next, next steps or next week or the week after this, this meeting, probably at the ranch. I mean, if I'm John, I don't care about asking about anything else besides mm-hmm. right. Did you? What did you find out? What exactly? What did you find out? I just need an answer from John because, like this, this half truth. He's he's not going to like just rest easy with this. I think he's going to call Jamie out on like, you know, you didn't do the thing I asked you to do, or he maybe he does know and he's going to work with that information. I think there's going to be more continuing to ramp up the stakes. I think there is going to be this meeting. I think there's going to be something that's going to draw Casey back to the ranch. That's my theory. It's, and it's going to be like a, they really need me at the ranch. And that's going to start to build like this animosity with it's the ranch or us kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. With, with, with Monica. And it's going to be a real big deal because she's going to be. And now there's pregnancy hormones pregnant, involved. Exactly. <laughs> um, Protecting the nest, you know. And then with the Beth business, I think it's going to get to be sort of like a like almost like a spy movie where like she's going to have to like sneak out the back because they found out it's her. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, Uh, what do you guys think is coming up for us? So the big question for me is we're coming to expect these big finales from Yellowstone. So we're ending the, nearing the end of the season. And I'm, I'm sort of wondering, okay, is this big bombshell between Beth and market equities and the airport and them finding out and what are they going to do to her? Or is it this fallout between John Dutton, Jamie, Garrett Randall, or is it all of it, you know? So it's like, it could be all of it all in one episode because we sure do cover a lot of bases sometimes. But that's where I'm sort of wondering is, what our big bombshell at the end of the season finale and, and sort of cliffhanger is going to be. Well, for sure. I mean, if you would have said, is is the third season of Yellowstone going to end with armed assailants? Yeah. <laughs> In multiple right. places. No, I would never have, know what's coming. I would have said, I don't think so, but, but I would have been way wrong. So, mm-hmm. you know. Right. <laughs> with that being said, it's almost like anything is yeah, anything could happen is possible on this show, and it's and it, and they'd find a way to make it work. Yeah, they yeah. really do. So I definitely feel like there's a Garrett Randall John Dutton showdown happening. Yeah, I hope that, so. I feel like that's coming. There's going to be something between them where we get the revelation of like what is the knowledge between these two or the relationship they had prior. You're right, Sheila. It's got to uh, be mom. It's got to be mom. It's got to be mom. And mom has got to be somebody close to John. 
in order close to enough have that, 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 that he knows her hands. Right, knows her hands and said we we begged her not to marry him. Like that is a very big point that is just like it's a big pin in my brain, like it's a big push pin sitting on the Yellowstone pad that lives in my brain <laughs> going, I need a question answered. And that's the biggest one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's definitely coming. And then Beth getting found out for being this double agent, the subterfuge that she's going on with somehow it's going to get leaked out that she's behind it. She's going to get caught possibly in the middle of her double dealing and it's just not going to go well for her. And then I'm just, I don't know where the whole governor thing is going, but there's definitely going to be between John and Jamie, there's going to be some sort of meeting and it's going to not go the way that Jamie wants it to, or the way that Jamie, uh... I feel like John's, it's not going to go for John the way that he wants it because Garrett is the, is the wild card factor that he doesn't know about. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is Jamie going to show up to that meeting solo? Can he even handle that? It feels like he no. can't go to that meeting alone. I don't think so. Exactly. Think the, so when he shows up, it's going to be there. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to see who gets proven right. Because I think we're all kind of like on the same track. Yeah. Um, That'll be a big holy shit moment because no I one know. ever said Garrett was out of jail to John. Right. Yeah. I can't wait. I love it. well this is a lot of fun thank you for joining us paul thanks for having me back can't wait to see what happens next so we're hearing through the grapevine that we might have like a big supersized finale episode like we might have like all of y'all on the podcast potentially that's the rumor that is the rumor well that would be a fantastic episode that will probably be about three and a half hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Sort of Ben Hur length. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, guys, get ready now. Buy your snacks. You know, get some popcorn. There'll yep. be an intermission. There will be an intermission <laughs> for sure. Bathroom breaks for right. us and for you. Right. Oh my gosh. Tip your waitress. Yes, we're here all week. Um, but we have at least one more to go. We have one more to go before yes. that happens. So. So stay, stay tuned. Well, thanks for listening. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And this is Paul. See you again soon. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.